At the moment, because of the technology we all use, our systems come on at, what, seven or eight o'clock in the morning, and within two or three seconds, they're functioning at full midday sun levels for, for many of us, infrared, visible light, and UV. And they function at full midday sun levels until the lamps go off over a split second at the end of the day, 365. Mm-hmm. My, my what do you dream for was to be able to re- to replicate a sunrise and a, and maintain a midday sun and then replicate a evening period into total darkness. Welcome back to the Animals at Home podcast. My name is Dylan Perrin, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Now, today we have a very special episode. It's an episode that everybody expects every year at some point or in the, in the fall or the summer, and that is my annual episode with John Courtney Smith, who is the head of science and innovation at Arcadia Reptile. Now, John and I have recorded a lot of incredible conversations over the years. This is somehow episode number five with him, which is amazing, but today's in particular is very special. John is here to announce the release of a brand new product line under Arcadia called Luminize. Luminize is really one of the most important advancements we've had in the herpetoculture space in a long time. And as John says in the podcast, it's probably one of the most important advancements we've had since the beginning of us using UV bulbs in the first place back in the 90s. Luminize allows you to simulate a sunrise and sunset using your phone, so programmable Bluetooth devices for both the Jungle Dawn LED bar as well as the high output T5 lamp that we know and trust from Arcadia. This allows you to create a smooth ramp on of the lights and ramp off to simulate that natural day cycle. But more importantly, it allows you to simulate the increase and decrease of UVI throughout the day. So the actual T5 lamp now is dimmable and create a crest during the day when the sun has its highest output and then you know slowly smooth down throughout the sunset as the sun starts to move down the horizon it's an incredible product i don't want to spend any more time talking about it through the intro let's just jump into the episode enjoy awesome well john welcome back to number five the fifth year in a row we've done this can you believe it I, I can't. I was I just, you know, an hour ago or so, I was driving my son to daycare and I was thinking, how the hell is it the fifth time? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, when we started, we were both, well, I had a a teenage child at the time. We've both got toddlers again now. That's, yeah, that's right. So life is even more hectic than, uh, way more hectic than it was back in whatever, 2019 or whatever that was. Yeah. But uh, we've certainly covered some subjects, haven't we? Oh, absolutely. And I think for, you know, as far as our episodes that we've recorded go, this might be one of the most exciting ones just because of the product line that we're going to be talking about. I cannot wait to get into this with you because there's just so much to cover. And, you know, as I always say, I always get messages come August, July, like when's John coming back on? So people always really expect you to be on at some point in the summer, in the fall, but I think they won't expect this episode because really the, the product that we're talking about today is in, in many ways unexpected. So I, I think maybe just to start the episode, it would be good just to give people maybe just the elevator pitch of the Illuminized products, just so they have a good uh, idea of what we're talking about. And then we're going to rewind the clock and I want the full story of how this product came to be, but just to give people an idea of, of what exactly you guys have done. Yeah, no problem. I, I, I'm I'm really keen that this episode doesn't devolve into a sales pitch per se. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is really like we well, as we've done in, in the previous two episodes, really explain the production process and why we do things and how we do things and the length of time that it's taken. But Luminize, which is the uh, uh, the, the new evolution of our brand, is 
the world's very first totally controllable UV and LED system that links up together in complete synchronicity is it it delivers absolute control into the palm of your hand through your smartphone through any kind of device where it's Bluetooth enabled and we've never ever been able to have that with UV before it's simple with LEDs but to have not not just control over your user over your UV system but to have a control over a level that allows you to implement very wild like circadian rhythm seasonality going into brumation coming out of brumation all of these things very accurately without changing the spectrum of the lamp and without having to have PCs running and cables all over the place and very expensive control systems luminize not only is an evolution for us but it is the the forward thinking linear direction of the brand as well mm -hmm. so as we go into ever more wild recreation we have to have more control and it's establishing that method of control that that became really important to me so we right at the very when we came up with the brand name luminize which i'll explain in in time i immediately said i i really need luminize to be not just a brand but an entity just as you think of the names of some of the common smart devices because that's that's the way i see this going in the planned product pipeline which we've already got for this brand it will carry on going and going as we evolve and, and, and evolve but everything will link seamlessly and intuitively into your phone you have absolute control over all of your systems through one device so a, a, an incredibly long project a very complex product that is incredibly simple to use um but at a price that everybody can afford yeah. that that was one of the key drivers we couldn't have this you know dimming ballast before the luminized system were kind of 70 dollars wholesale just for the ballast and then you need a control system and housing and everything like that so you end up looking to control your uv system at hundreds of dollars to get that going so for me luminize is a brand it's a new brand a stitched on brand within arcadia reptile but it's also really a, a figurehead a, an entity a, a new direction of where we're going yeah yeah well I, I was thinking about it the other day i mean i think the dimming of the leds is something that the reptile community has been has been waiting for you know it's it's a welcomed piece of technology because you know i always get asked when is that going to be a thing and i think everybody knew at some point a, a company like arcadia would tackle that but it's the the ability to control the uv output is a product that we all need but nobody was asking for because i don't think anybody really thought that that was even in the cards anytime soon like i when you originally told me about the product i was sort of dumbfounded at it. I'm like wow i didn't even think that this could happen or that you know a controllable ballast was something that we could do so maybe we should rewind the clock back to to the beginning sort of the inception of this idea i mean you just told me off air this was like you know this is almost like a decade-long project so how, how did this i mean we know that you're very passionate about wild recreation so i'm sure it stems out of that but why don't you bring us back to the very beginnings of this idea well actually 
certainly from the feedback that I have coming into me, being able to control UV systems is one of the most popular questions that I ever get asked mm. through my career, which in, in this brand nearly 20 years now, it's it's a consistent thing. We need to have control over our UV systems. And so we've looked at it year after year after year. And for exactly the same reasons, as you just said, it's been unobtainable unless you were a clever electronics hobbyist and you could stitch things together at home. But it generally involved using a PC and staged lighting and um, all sorts of cobbled together devices. It, it was just unobtainable. It was unachievable and unmarketable because of the price and the practicality of it. So I'd had a few ideas over the years. I remember in about 2015, I started working on a little luminaire which hybridized LED with T5. And the idea for that was that it would have a, a little pick, a, a memory chip inside it. So the T5 would come on, but the LEDs would dim up and down over just a half an hour period every day with an internal clock that was set from the moment you switch the device on. So there was no program at all. It would just auto run, but only for LED. And I decided not to take that forward. It became hellishly complex and very expensive. Dimming ballasts have existed for quite a while for high output T5, <clears throat> but the cost has been massive. So we had to keep working and working. What can we do? What, how, what, when will we ever reach a level where the ballasts become reliable at a price that's affordable that will also give control? Because when I started the project in earnest in, well, I restarted the project in earnest in uh, very early 2018 again, you'd still have to plug it into a, a PC. And so it just was everything I didn't want. Mm -hmm. And so we worked and we worked and we worked and with engineers all over the world and in-house and trying to construct a brand new design of product that would do everything that we thought people would want. You'll notice, you know, by the time you listen to this podcast, we would have had 10 days of, a teaser campaign on our social media and one of those days is it's just a simple question what do you dream for mm -hmm. well for me my dream was always to give people ultimate control that you could turn your viv on connect it to your phone and everything would function within the wild parameters of that of that animal animal welfare goes up so we had probably five or six different versions of this product pandemic got in the way of course everything shut down although being pet we could still carry on working but there was great limitations over over that period we had all sorts of challenges in the production of algorithms and software and um perfecting the signal between the device and your phone and it was just hurdle after hurdle after hurdle but as we crossed every hurdle we got closer and closer to the goal and actually the form of product that you'll see under luminize now 
was the original design that we had for a waterproof fitting mm. that we adapted and there was a real need for formal water protection it's a legal standard in many places now including zoos and public collections and the pro c5 product that we have which opened the world to using t5s because of its reliability and price point isn't waterproof so i knew we had to do something with that and that led into evolution after evolution until we finally came up with a system that not only waterproofed the fitting, which we'll talk about in a tick, but it not only waterproofed the fitting, but it, it actually started to enable some very accurate control. Yeah. And so the product was nameless at that time. There was no brand behind it. There was no, this was still core R&D, plug it in, see if it blows up type. <laughs> work which is common for my role you know this is this is how we work it's try it you write something down on paper <clears throat> you sort the physics and the engineering out and then see if it works right and uh we hit some real major roadblocks along the way so you're right th th this has been a 10-year project just about from start to finish but we actually had sort of final working examples um the month before the pandemic hit wow so it's taken all of that time to refine and refine and refine and check double check look at all the data um make sure that the app is functioning correctly make sure all the bugs are wheedled out and then a simply colossal process of legal testing quality testing for every nation in the world um app registration apple google registration registering a bluetooth device you know because we created a new one we had to list that with bluetooth and have it tested and accredited and uh it, it without doubt the most complex thing and the most intricate and the most time-consuming thing I've ever worked on, ever. Yeah, well, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I guess when I think about it too, you you probably could have released the dimming uh, LEDs years ago, but it probably like how important is it to have this as a package? Like, it seems like you've laid this foundation now that uh, you know it's, it's almost worth delaying that product. That's probably the much much simpler product to develop to make sure that you can have this happen together. Yeah, I mean, we were ready to go with LED um in that february but before the pandemic um but the choice then would have been well we'd have we could either have one of those horrible little infrared controller pad things or there'd have to be buttons sort of program buttons fitted onto the top of the extrusion again i, I hate that kind of thing or we'd have had to have had an app a separate app and then another one for uv later over all of that yes it's nice to have dimming led and luminize gives you control from one percent light output to a hundred percent light output and anywhere in between you can do whatever you want with it but without similarly doing that to uv we are still hampering the experience of natural sunlight for our animals we have to take this back to animal welfare 
at the moment, because of the technology we all use, our systems come on at, what, seven or eight o'clock in the morning, and within two or three seconds, they're functioning at full midday sun levels for, for many of us, infrared, visible light, and UV. And they function at full midday sun levels until the lamps go off over a split second at the end of the day, 365. Mm -hmm. We... Not many of us are able to stagger lamps in a way to have a more natural circadian rhythm of very dim lighting up to intense lighting and then back down again. And I don't know anybody that's been able to do that truly within seasonality as well. Now, for colubrid keepers and, you know, sort of uh, European and Asian and African lizard and tortoise keepers we, that seasonality is vital for breeding and the stimulation of hormone production mm -hmm. so it's no wonder really for some of us it's so hard to breed things and we keep them at summer midday all the time right so i i, I refuse to let the led go when commercially it was probably the right thing to do because I needed to have a system that also had control over UV. Because we, you know, we, what we're looking for is to replicate the spectrum of the sun as accurately as we can. Now, if we do that for visible, but not UV, all we're doing is providing them a dark environment to live in that is still full strength UV midday sun. Right. It makes it makes no sense in welfare. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And and even if you do stagger the lights on, you're still blasting them with the midday sun when the lights do come on, right? Like we know the, like the LED lights are extremely bright and they are they have a high lux. They are meant to simulate that noon time. So even if you have yeah. your halogen come on, you know, at eight o'clock, maybe your rest of your lights come on, it's still boom, you know, lights are up. It's it's up and it's kind of midday very quickly. Yeah. So my my what do you dream for was to be able to re to replicate a sunrise and a, and maintain a midday sun and then replicate a evening period into total darkness you know it, it became very very important for me and and actually i started to see more and more and read more and more about potential stressors you know we every time i talk to you we end up talking about stress mm -hmm. in reptiles it's because it's one of those things that's got in my head and uh, there must be, and I fear that there is a stress from dark from that split second darkness into full midday sun that's maintained all day long, and then it suddenly vanishes like an asteroid hit the earth. <laughs> yeah, you know that's just so not wildlike. So we had to wait. You know, I mean, you say the LEDs are bright, luminized LEDs are even brighter mm -hmm. than the um non-luminized jungle dawn bar so there's extra lux available with those so we i had to wait yeah i had to wait until it was done the the main thing that delayed everything yes there was a pandemic going on and <clears throat> there was all sorts of other pressures and changes and we were you know obviously we were working on the d3 evo mercury vapor lamp we worked on the tortoise food 
that tortoise food has been one of the most successful products we've ever had. Oh, wow. You know, and but we, I took the same view to the pr- production of the optimized 52 tortoise food as I have for Luminize. We would need to do it for a reason. And if the reason's not sound, we won't do it. And if it's not ready, we won't release it. Yeah. The main problem that we had was that there was a glitch within the algorithm over the pandemic. And what that meant was that it was very easy for people to, say, test or fiddle around with their systems so that you had just to see it dimming up and down. So you could program a 20 minute ramp up, 20 minute ramp down. And generally those cycles are are exactly what you use in R&D, 20 minutes up, 20 minutes down, and you do it 24 seven until the product fails. Right. But what happened was the lamp would start and then stop and you couldn't get it on. It would fake a fail. And within the algorithm, what the lamp, what we invent, I mean, it took like nine months to work it out. What the software was doing was seeing your start point at 0% and looking to reach 100%. But then also seeing that by the time it reached 100%, it needs to be back at 0% in a very short period of time. So by the time it started, it was actually coming down again. Right. So we had this maddening lengthy period of thinking that the product just wouldn't work well actually it was just a software issue and a user issue that 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 caused quite some delay but you you don't find these things out until you actually have got 30 of them going yeah exactly so um it's been very complex you had already mentioned some of the, the the benefits, but maybe we could kind of define some of those as well, just as far as, you know, it, A, the amount of stress that it would cause to just flick on the lights. But what are some other, like, uh, biological benefits that the animals have for ha- simulating a sunrise, sunset? Well, actually, when there's on the ArcadiaLuminize.com website, there's a pretty lengthy section on there on circadian rhythm and how that impacts all biology, including reptiles. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole sleep-wake cycle thing, and particularly around exposure to blue light. And that's what we're doing to them through UV lamps constantly all day long. And not having a consistent, natural-type circadian rhythm, so a defined period of energy increase, maintenance, and decrease, and then total darkness impacts every area of an animal's biology, mostly within the uh, on workings of the impact of stresses on the body, but also confusion within the breeding cycles because they never know hormone production gets out of whack. So they never know whether they're coming into fall or spring. It's just consistently optimal for them all the time. Neurological health, muscle contraction, digestive health, brain health. I'm not so sure we could say mental well-being, but mental function and the lowering of stresses across the whole body through good mental function. Everything is impacted by circadian rhythm. Everything. 
Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty horrific experiments in humans that are either sleep deprived over relatively short periods of time, or they've had their circadian rhythms uh, chronically interrupted, whether that is instantaneous lights on at full power, and then without any warning being plunged back into darkness for any given time. It, people end up expiring, actually. Yeah, I mean, and I even think of something as simple as sleeping well, which, I mean, we, we all know as humans, we destroy our sleep patterns all the time by staring at blue light in the evenings and, and you know, and so on. And that cuts years off your life, just not being able to recover and recruit from the day. And, and animals would be absolutely no different. I mean, we we never really think about how well is your snake sleeping but or your, your lizard or reptile sleeping. But if it is, if they are having poor sleeps, for sure that impacts their, their health. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've known for a long time, and you've heard me You've heard me say it before that unless we provide total darkness for the lion's share of the night, that has an impact on the digestive and the D3 cycle in the animal. Mm -hmm. So periods of total darkness are essential, and we've known it for a long period of time. That's why moonlighting and disruptive ambient lighting is bad for welfare. Yeah. But how much worse is it to take an animal from now people accept they need total darkness they're in total darkness to suddenly it's one o'clock in the afternoon and it's going to stay like this all day until it instantly disappears again. Yeah. So I, I think we're very good at keeping reptiles now. I mean, we can breed things that we've never been able to breed before. Animals are living longer than ever before. Condition, coloration, feeding, you know, our welfare standards are pretty good. But what can this do? Yeah. You know, in the in, in some of the people that have been testing this system for us in secret around the world for a number of months, one of the most common pieces of feedback that comes back is my animals are more active and they are significantly more colorful. Mm, yeah. But I didn't expect that at all. That's I didn't interesting. expect that at all. All but, light is energy, all energy is used. Yeah. But it can only be used if the body's in balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You mean you can't have lights on at nighttime to get more energy. <laughs> it's just not how, it's no. not how it works. And no. I mean, there's something very just aesthetically pleasing for me about seeing a dimmed like sunset or sunrise, like in the enclosures. I think it just adds, and this is like a, a keeper centric thing, but it just adds such a nice di a, a dimension to keeping where you can walk into the reptile room and see these, the sun coming up or the sun coming down. And, and yeah, you, you get to see the animal behave in that dusk dawn period, which it would never have had before. And, as far as practically using the the system, I'm sure you have it all set up at Arcadia itself. You, you, I'm sure you're running a lot of the systems there. Do you time it with the halogens, or when do your halogens come on within the sunrise, or do you come on with halogens first and then let the luminized products pick up? You know, I'm so glad you asked that. Hey there, I want to take a quick break to thank this week's sponsors. First, we have Exotics Keeper Magazine, which is a herpeticulture-based magazine out of the UK. Many of you are probably already familiar with them as we had their editor, Thomas Marriott, on a few weeks ago. And it is really a quintessential hobbyist magazine. When you flip through the pages of the monthly magazine, it really does, for me, brings me back to being a kid. I think many of us would have experienced reptiles and amphibians for the first time in either magazine or books. And this just brings me back to those moments. Exotics Keeper Magazine provides new 
news, stories, and information surrounding the care and welfare of exotic animals. And you actually recognize quite a few of the authors that write the articles within each issue. Both Roy from Project Herpeticulture and Liam and Ellie from Reptiles and Research have actually contributed to the magazine in the past. I know Roy has an article about Spilodes coming up in a couple of months or might already be out by the time you're hearing this. So I'm very much looking forward to that. If you are living in the UK for only a couple of bucks a month, you can receive the hard copy of the magazine, which I'm incredibly jealous of because there's something about reading a hard copy that is just so exciting. But for everybody else in the world or for those in the UK, the digital copy of this magazine is free. All you have to do is go to their website, put in your email, and every month the issue will be delivered directly to your inbox. And you can flip to the magazine for free, which I've really enjoyed. But I hope that more of us can sign up for the digital copy and show EK that we want that there's enough interest to actually start having the physical copy go out to the rest of the world. So that's my goal with this ad. So very much go check them out. It's an incredible magazine. It really does bring me back to being a child, and I'm sure it will with you as well. And the other way you can help support this podcast is by checking out the other sponsor, CustomReptileHabitats.com. That is the incredible enclosures behind me. They were sponsored by Custom Reptile Habitats. If you're looking for more information on them, you can head to the affiliate link in either the show notes or the YouTube description. If you click that link and you end up making a purchase, a commission comes back to me at no extra cost to you. And of course, that is a way you can help support this podcast. Back to the episode because we don't have natural control over heating. Right. Really, we've got thermostats, but we're still a race in the morning to get as to temperature and then maintain it all day long. So actually within the some of the social media advice that we've we're publishing around the launch of this product and on the arcadialuminized.com website, there's a section a, a really easy to understand graphic which will show people how to stage their heating, visible lighting and UV so that we we will still have that nice graduation of a slow up till we reach midday and then back down, but also how to work your infrared into that as well. You know, I want to get as accurate as we can. Now, we know that as the sun rises, it <clears throat> has more of its energy in infrared. Mm-hmm. So infrared starts to build and build and build and build. Visible light kicks in and then UV starts to kick in and then it reverses it at the end of the day. So we've got a little graphic on there, which which shows you, look, bring your heating system on. I think it's for three quarters of an hour to whatever temperature you've set the, the thing to do for or power density if you're using that new method. Then the led bar will come on for a short period of time and that will start because it's not on it starts to build right and then the uv system will start to build and by the time you get to 11 11 30 everything's caught up with everything else and you maintain your given midday period of three four five hours whatever's right for your species which we're going to get advise on as well and then you reverse it so as you get past zenith and into the afternoon your uv lamp will start to dim down first then after a certain period of time your led will and then you can um, use the function of your thermostat or timers to alter the infrared and and actually i'm I'm really glad you segued into infrared for a second because it brings a, a I can give you the story of the thing that worried me most over this whole project. Sure. We know that when you dim a tungsten or a halogen lamp, you alter its spectrum to the left. 
back out of infrared and into red and visible. So they have to run as hard as they can to give the most optimal wavelengths within infrared A and infrared B, although dimming is essential because it's an insurance against overheating or over temperature. If you significantly dim an infrared lamp, you alter the spectrum. Now, what would happen if that theory also applied to a UV lamp? Right. So you would you you would be, you're basically pulling the UV out completely, or or having too much UV, and then you know you have you might some... go to the left. Right. 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 So you're or the right or or whatever happened. So my biggest fear was that the action of dimming would alter the spectrum of our lamps. Right. And it is very true, and you can hear any of the lighting experts say still that the UV portion, so UVB and UVA portion of our T5 lamps is as close to the spectrum of natural sunlight as is possible to get through a replicant source. That's why we can use a solar meter 6.5 and measure a UV lamp and also measure the sun because it's reading the same wavelengths. Mm. It would have been awful if that spectrum changed left or right. So I had to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt and reprove to myself countless times that there was absolutely zero shift. There wouldn't be a degree of tolerance in my mind, left or right. Luckily, I've got a spectrometer, but it meant testing all of our lamps and all of the different types and percentages multiple times and looking at that spectral analysis and thank everything holy all that happened was the spectrum stayed identical but went up or down depending on the energy going into the lamp intensity so that that was my biggest fear got rid of and it proved the efficacy of the product because then that that meant i knew that it would be safe and effective for reptiles at any level of intensity that a, a keeper could choose don't forget you why do i say that because you can if you're if you know a little little bit about lighting and you've got a meter you can use luminize to tune in a uv index if you want to so you've got a cage that is slightly too uh thin to to obtain the uv index that you want so you're worried that the animal is going to be overexposed. But going down a, from a 12% to a 6% would mean that the animal would always be underprovided for, mm -hmm. that kind of scenario. You can use Luminize to adjust the, very easily, to, to adjust your maximum intensity and set your UV index. Right. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, you can do that. Most of us, we, we just want natural sunlight patterns yes but for expert keepers people that know what they're doing and breeders we can use luminize to either set uv index maximums at the basking point or use the app to simulate fall spring yeah just by just by changing the intensity of the lamp
and yeah, it, and it's fascinating. And it's, I mean, like, like you said, it was a massive relief for you to know that when you do dim it, you're not changing. And I guess for anyone that might have been confused or just, you know, following along with that, with, with the infrared example, when you do dim it, you still have a lot of that red orange light, but you just not, you're going to lose the heat side of it as, you know, a lot of the infrared A and infrared B just fizzles away, but the bulb is dimmer. So that doesn't happen with the UV, which is really interesting. Now, does that, does the, does it change the life of the bulb? Like if you run a UV bulb at 20%, let's just use an arbitrary example, does it, you know, are you still going to get that one or two years? Does it make it less or more? It doesn't shorten the length of the lamp. Okay. The length of the life of the lamp. I'm not comfortable to say that it will lengthen the life of a lamp because if I say, right, if everybody dims their lamps, you can get 18 months rather than 12. But then I've, there's 10,000 people around the world with different intensities and different patterns and different ambient temperatures around the lamp. Everybody's going to be slightly different. Right. The only thing I know is, is that our lamps only degrade by about 30% over 12 months in terms of power out. In my mind, that's a really good time to change the lamp. Yeah. It certainly doesn't shorten their life. And yes, there's no special new lamp for luminize it's arcadia lamps as you've always had them exactly the same you could take if you've got pro t5 now and you want a luminize system you can plug it into your luminize fitting right there's no that we're not there's nothing uh, special about the bulb the bulb is the standard no bulb. it's our lamp yeah it's our lamp the only thing we've had to create anew is the fitting can you talk a little bit about because the actual fitting itself is is fascinating as far as just even the waterproofing because you know like the way it it fits into itself and and maybe you could just quickly kind of review how how the system's actually waterproof. Yeah, so we wanted to hit a minimum of the IP sixty four standard, and we ended up at IP sixty five, which is a good level of water resistance. I. There are many ways of doing that. We obviously, in our history, we invented something called Ultra Seal, which was IP67, but that always involves loose fly leads. We didn't want lamp leads hanging out of things. There are other off-the-peg solutions that you can use, but they're never totally reliable, and they're generally always hardwired in. Within this whole luminized project, I wanted not only to increase animal welfare and put control into the hands of every keeper but i am absolutely dedicated to making our range ever more easy to use and applicable for people that have physical or uh, neurological health concerns you know i, I I'm not well. Everybody knows I'm a disabled person. And rotating a lamp in a lamp holder is almost impossible for me mm. because my fingers are all broken. So I wanted to create a new lamp holder that would be safe, waterproof, and very easy for anybody to use. So we came up with the concept of lamp holders that unplug from the fitting so you don't have to take the fitting out there's no lamp rotation there's ip65 push on lamp holders which you just slot on either end of the lamp you then push them up into the fitting 
And then there's a single clip at each end, which locks the whole thing into place. It is almost an instant process. Yeah. Very, very easy to use and very, very secure. It also totally removes, virtually totally removes the percentage of issues that we see with people accidentally breaking their lamps, trying to rotate them <clears throat> in tomb home hold two stone lamp holders. It's really difficult to rotate something at each end at the same time. Yes, you Although twist it. it yeah. Place, if you cause a micro fracture at the end of the lamp, over time all the gas escapes, you then lose electron flow and the lamp doesn't work. Right. So having this method where we make the product much easier to install and change lamps, it makes it water resistant to IP65 and it pretty much gets rid of the accidental lamp damage issue. Yeah. I'm really, really very happy with it. It's as soon as we perfected it and I saw the final production samples, I said, this is elegant. That was the exact word I used. I said, this is an elegant solution. Yeah. And um, I'm really very happy with it. Yeah, it's 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 really, it's super simple. I mean, for those who are just listening to this episode on, on uh, Apple or Spotify, it's just essentially almost like two rubber plugs that just plug onto the end of the lamp and then those just plug into, or, or plug onto the end of the, the bulb and then those plug into the lamp itself. It, it Basically, sure. like you plug in something into an outlet. It, it's very simple. Very simple. And then, of course, there's retaining locks so they lock into place. They can't fall back out again. Yeah. So um, really happy. And maybe we could talk a little bit about just the design and, and the fact that you decided to create this, you know, uh, all, all, you know, a brand itself. It's a secondary brand, Luminize. It's not, you know, just underneath. It is underneath the Arcadia um, yeah. umbrella, of course, but it, it, but it was really important to you to kind of have it separated because one of the things that stand out immediately is just like, I love the way they look, the black shrouding and, you know, that's, you know, it just looks very sleek and, and interesting. So maybe let's talk about the, the concept behind the brand and the, the importance of, of, of kind of not separating it from Arcadia, but just making sure it's a standout product. Yeah, no problem. So we, we came up with the concept for the brand name Luminize, which is a an acronym actually the we obviously have the first word lumen which is a unit or quantity of light so energy then we have an i a z and an e capitalized at the end of it so rather than the english spelling of i s e we use the american spelling of i z e because we wanted to have a a brand name and a logo that meant something that would mean something <clears throat> going forward so luminize is broken down into the word lumin. We then have the I, which stands for integrated. So for a, a, a luminize enabled product, what, whatever that may look like, the controllability and programming will be built into the unit. It's There's no secondary box that you need to buy. Mm -hmm. The Z stands for zoological. And that's my gold standard. If zoos accept it and zoos will benefit from it, then we all live a zoological life. <laughs> right. And so that's the Z. And then the E stands for a word that we found that I absolutely loved, which is environmentology. And environmentology is the study of, understanding of, and replication of wild habitats. Wow. I've never heard so, that term. No, it was new for us. 
but it really, really made sense. So we stitched all this together to bring up a word which is obviously linked to lighting. If you illuminate something, you are luminizing it. And, and then we play on that. H having that word then started to spring off some questions and suggestions in our mind of how we would present that to people. And, you know, luminized product is fundamentally different to the fixed voltage product. We're not going to stop selling the fixed voltage product. People need to have a choice. But it's fundamentally different in terms of its internal workings, what it can do, its output, what you can do with it. So it, it really needed to be visibly different as well. And so, yeah, when we, we, we painted it black or anodized it black and we've used gold lettering on it just to give a sense of this is something a bit different. It's more luxurious. It's it has a whole new level of trust mm -hmm. uh, of quality of um, being part of something new. So changing the color of something's quite incidental, but in this range, it actually kind of stands for something. And we we ended up taking advice and then employing the services of a, a very well-respected global design agency to help us come up with the branding and the packaging. And the packaging, which you'll notice when you see it in store, is completely different to what you've seen Arcadia do ever before. And I, I wanted that particularly so it would stand out so that people would feel a sense of luxury in one respect that people would know that this is a new generation a new evolution it's different but key to the production of that was that i wanted the packaging to be as friendly as possible for neurodiverse people and i'd started that project within the rebranding of the Earth Pro brand. Mm -hmm. So you'll notice we moved to basically black pouches with white writing, which is easier to read for many people and assimilate that information. And we took it a step further. What kind of font do certain neurodiverse people find easier to read? It's about assimilating information for me. For me, information is everything that's important. Yeah. So we spent a very long time looking at fonts and colors and font size and textures and backgrounds. So you'll notice these boxes, they're the first we've ever done that actually have physical texture on the box. So there's a, <clears throat> you know, a, uh, a tactile nature to the branding as well, which we hope will not only appeal to everybody in terms of goodness, this looks nice. And hopefully everybody thinks it looks nice but that it will be a welcome step for the pet trade, which is slightly archaic in towards supporting the needs of the very many people that have incredible stick skills and miraculous powers within neurodiversity mm -hmm. and trying to be inclusive. So we, we spent a long time on that. And I, I think it's the nicest packaging, certainly in the pet trade for, in any sector yeah uh, yeah the packaging is great i 
I couldn't throw my boxes out. I, I opened the product. They, you know, I have them running uh, on one of my enclosures, and the boxes are in my back room because I'm like they're just they, they just look nice, and I, I won't throw them out. I'll, I'll I'll maybe put some bulbs in there or whatever just to, for some storage because I think you guys nailed the packaging. And I mean, when you talk about the reptile community, you're talking about a community that has probably a higher percentage of neuro divergent people than the average population just because and that we've talked about that on the podcast before we have lots of ADHD or you know autism or you know the list goes on forever as far as you know people just it, it seems to draw people in and uh, I think that's so it's a really important part of making sure brands are, are actually supporting that inclusivity and I, I love that and yeah the, the, the package looks beautiful really Thank you. We, we really put some effort into it. And all of the supportive posters and display stands and merch, you know, we've never gone out with as much merch as as we have with this. Um, you know, enjoy it. We've got metal button badges and pens and wristbands and lanyards. I've got and the pen right here for anyone. Buy, uh... You know, we've really, <laughs> we've really tried to help people feel included. <clears throat> we also took the standpoint that the pet trade needs to evolve. So we've learned that people tend to copy our brand and what we do with our product and what we do with our marketing and how we present our people to the world. And I really want to push something that they, I want every brand to copy. Mm-hmm. We, we are going out with the uh, a version of the main luminize educational video in british sign language and i want to be the very very first major pet brand to normalize the use of supporting our deaf brothers and sisters or hearing impaired people mm-hmm. immediately once i decided that i threw myself into a panic because you know we're a british company and we have access to british sign language but there are over a hundred or more different sign languages oh around my gosh. and i i became very anxious that we would offend our friends and partners in america because we haven't got asl mm-hmm. and we haven't got australian sign language so i can just appeal to the hard of hearing community i i'm doing my best i can't I, I just don't have access to do it for everybody, but you'll find that there's closed captions on the videos in seven languages, and we will have a signed version of the video in British Sign Language. And and I just hope that people will give us a bit of a break and realise we're trying to do our best and trying to normalise something in the trade and the hobby, which should be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... It, like it's a it's a first step, and like you said, you couldn't have a hundred translations of sign language on, on a video. I mean, it would be impossible. So, I think yeah. the, obviously the closed captions is is a good way to go as well. But yeah, I think that's you can tell how important that is to you. And I think that's uh, like you said, it's it should be a standard. So I think it will be something that will so. be more implemented uh, once you guys start doing it. Yeah, for sure. Now. So do you want to talk a little bit about the function of the unit, some of the exciting bits? Yes, I, I absolutely. I have one question about that. I think this will lead us into that as well, is yeah. um, the actual units themselves are essentially identical in size and shape as the original, you know, you know like the um, the Jungle Dawn and the original Pro T5. It, 
I guess all the, the the chips and everything fits well in there. Like, did you have to find space? I mean, the the technology that's inside the shrouds themselves to to actually communicate with your phone. I imagine it must be quite small. But I was just sort of amazed that there wasn't it wasn't larger to to fit this extra technology into the products. Well, the T five is bigger. Oh, is it? Okay, not, it can't be very same, much bigger. It's, it's, in terms of the space required for the ballast and the electronics, there's about a thirty percent increase to height. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It is a little bit taller. That's right. Yeah. So, but the LED has the same profile, and you know, when we first started talking, we were talking about trying to keep costs down. For every single change I make, fundamental change, there is a cost. Right. In R and D certification and production so the more things that i can keep the same the lower the price consumers will pay because i don't have to charge for all of the r d and the new tooling and you know when you're looking at metal extrusion tools you're looking at 20 30 40 000 for an extrusion tool that big so the LED unit does use the same extrusion simply because there was enough space in there to fit all of the electronics with some slight adjustments. But we did have to create something new for the T5. Um, and no, it wasn't easy. <laughs> no, I can imagine. When you get into the 12-inch versions, trying to cram all that into a foot and and then shield it from electromagnetic confusion and... It's a lot. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. So it wasn't easy. It took a long time. So so let's talk about some of the functionality. Just the, the, like the as you said, the exciting bits of the of these products. Yeah. So so there's many functions. So we have both the luminize enabled Pro T5 and LED bar are IP65 water resistant. That's cable ingress unit everything. They have a higher light output, particularly in the um, LED. There's a slight change to the angle of the reflector in the T5, and that bumped up light output slightly. Not enough to say this is brighter, but there is a slight difference in there. They obviously are all app controllable, and that app will allow you to have infinite control over your systems each individual lamp and up to 50 lamps per telephone wow so you can have 50 different luminized devices running all with different programs uh, at any one time they use the same kind of fittings for fitting into enclosures as the previous ones although we've moved from metal to a uh, plastic resin version again to make it easier for people to take them on and off if they want to and i don't know how to sum it up it just is everything i've dreamed of mm -hmm. everything i've ever wanted for a lamp you know i can control 50 at any one time each one can have its own name there's a copy and paste function on the app if you have a lighting schedule that you like and you want to apply it over all of your species, rather than sitting down there moving sliders for three hours because you've got 50 different tanks, you can set the first one, copy it, and paste it over to every individual lamp. You can name every individual lamp. You can test it, each lamp. If you want, just press a button and you'll see it 
um, intensify and contract and intensify to show you where it is and that it's in good working order. There's a note section so you can keep notes on lamp change dates or feeding or whatever you want to do. Um, the app has been made very specifically to be intuitive. Mm -hmm. And actually, out of everybody that's using it, I've tried to ask them to program it without looking at the instructions. And I think everybody has. Yeah. So there is instructions and there's a video and everything. You kind of just get it. It's very simple. It's one page. There's no. This is not a 12-page app that you've got to dart backwards and forwards through. You can do everything from one screen on on any device. Well, and the app found the lamps instantly. That that was the thing that every time you work with Bluetooth, you're like, oh god, you got to turn things off, reset, like you know, turn off the house because whatever. There's always interference, and you can never get things to connect. It was like as soon as I had the app going, it was like their LED and Jungle Dawn or the the or the uh, and the Pro T5 were instantly connected. Yeah, it, it seems to work really well, and it has a wide range. We've chosen to use Bluetooth rather than Wi-Fi. I have certain fears over Wi-Fi enabled devices, but the main reason we've used Bluetooth is, remember that word integrated? Yeah. Well, all of the memory of your settings are kept in the lamp, not on your phone. Now, it made no sense to me to have Wi-Fi enabled devices. If your Wi-Fi goes down, you've got no control over them and they could go up and down, turn off, do what? Yeah. It's just a nightmare in my mind. What I wanted to do was have a memory built into every lamp and then to back that memory up because we all have power cuts. Yeah. Or we trip something or something happens and the power goes off. So what we've done with Luminize is we've designed a new Bluetooth receiver, which seems to work very well, linked that to a memory chip and then linked that to a backup battery. So when you open your app, you establish a connection between the lamp and your device. And your you can your device then starts sending signals or programming to your lamp as you save settings that the lamp remembers because the memory is not in your phone, mm -hmm. it's in the lamp. There's a battery backup. What's worse, I can't think of anything that's more annoying than every time the power goes off, like with thermostats, you oh, have yeah. to go and reprogram everything and reset the clocks, or you get a middle of the night power cut that you know nothing about, and then all of your timing is all to cock. Everything's gone wrong, and you've got no control over it until you notice and you've got to reprogram everything. Having a battery backup means as soon as the power is removed, for whatever reason, whether you turn it off or whether there's a power cut or you're changing a lamp or whatever, your programming, your time, there's a clock built in, your timing carries on going. Mm -hmm. If the lamp's plugged in and should be functioning, but you've had a localized power cut, regardless of the length, when the power returns to your house or building, your lighting will come back on at the correct time and correct intensity. Yeah. So you never lose your schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I don't like using Wi-Fi 
things, you know, things that are connected to Wi-Fi because I used to have it in my reptile room, just different lights to come on just in the room itself. And uh, I remember people will often ask, why not use those? And it's because the apartment that I was living in had quite often these power cuts. And when the power would go out at nighttime, it would immediately come back on. But then you have like this like eight minute period of the router having to reconnect and connect to Wi-Fi. But when the power comes back on, all the lights come on. So the, the power... When the, when the power came back on, all the lights were on in the room and it would take forever for the router to connect. But even when the router connects, the lights still stay on because they don't know what they're doing. So you have to go and manually turn them all off. And it was just such a pain. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not using these. So that's I do appreciate the Bluetooth. Yeah, it, it, it it's, seems to be very, very secure. It has a good range and it works really well. That we've We've placed some helpful advice within the instructions. You know, there's different time zones all around the world. I don't know about Canada, but we have two different clock changes yep, forward same. or back an hour in the UK. And, okay, your telephone is using GPS or Wi-Fi or something, and when you wake up in the morning, it just shows the correct time. Using Bluetooth, that won't happen automatically. So we're, what we're saying very honestly is if you know the clocks are changing in your area, when you get up the next day, just open the app and press the test button for all of your lamps. That will then establish a connection between the phone and your lamp, and it will update the clock mm-hmm. and to, to the right time zone. Or if you move to a different time zone, exactly the same thing applies. And... We are advising keepers, you know, just as part of general maintenance, log onto the app once a month and just refresh your software. You know, we will be sending data updates as we as are required. But if you open the app once a month, just to connect to each lamp, don't change the settings, just open them up. It will refresh everything and it will help keep the system running flawlessly. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine this is just a, a good foundation to build on top of. I mean, as far as the functionality of the app goes, th- really the sky must be the limit as far as what we can do with these lamps. Once Now that we have this functioning programming that works and you can speak to the lamps with your phone and it works properly without bugs, there's probably a, a, an endless list of things that you eventually want to implement. I don't know if you want to talk about those, but I just can only imagine. I can only promise you that I'm dreaming Right. Okay. That's good. Consistently dreaming. And we will absolutely, I I think I've said in interviews before um, in the trade press here, I, I view Lumen, the invention of Luminize as the biggest step forward in animal welfare since the invention of UV lamps, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do it again. Okay. I'll do it again and I'll do it again and I'll do it again. And luckily, I have the support to do that. But the Luminize doesn't stop here. This is not just a new product. This is not a new toy. Oh, I've got an LED that dims up and down. This is a total revolution in your animal care. And do you know what else? If you use a Luminize-enabled device and have a normal length of day of a four-hour increase, four-hour zenith, four-hour decrease. For every luminized device you have, you'll see about a 30% energy saving. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. 30%. It's massive. That that means that the most popular 
T5s will dry will will consume significantly less energy than unbalanced LEDs. That's amazing. For for UV, which yeah, yeah. are still nowhere near ready. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not there, but that would cost more to run LEDs than it would cost to run a, a luminized unit. And actually, your energy spend is in your control because you control the intensity of your lamp. Yeah. But but having a, a really well thought out four hour up, four hour on, four hour de- four hour down, it's about 30%. Depending on the lamp, it was between about 28 and 33. So we just go somewhere in the middle, depending on the length of lamp. Yeah. And then that doesn't include seasonality too right like if you want to do a a winter couple of months where you're real low on the uv maybe you're just you know the 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 zenith is much shorter you're going to save even more intensity is lower because you could have you could have the lamp running at 50 percent rather than 100 percent as your zenith so if you've got a 24 watt lamp you're only actually burning um about 14.8 watts at 50 percent yeah yeah, and you think about all the people who keep sort of North American colubrids and things like that, where the UV is quite low during the winter, almost nothing in some ways. Uh, you can all simulate that completely. But you should see what this does to crepuscular species. If you put but keep, luminize enabled T5 and LED starts at the 12-inch shade dweller. So we have the 12-inch shade dweller, 8 watt. We have the 14-watt shade dweller max. We have the 24 watt high output T5, 39 watt, and 54 watt. So you can have really good control over your systems in an 8 watt, 12 inch, 30 centimeter lamp. Now you put that over your leopard gecko. Now you and I both know leopard geckos will use UV lamps as and when they want to, and they benefit from it. But generally they come on and they're too bright. So they'll be sitting under their heat lamp, the light, the UV will come on and they'll sit there for a little bit and then scuttle off because it's suddenly midday and where are all the hawks? Where are all the cats and everything that want to eat me? I'm receding into the burrows. How much longer do you think they spend on that basking rock when they have this four-hour, very, very slow intensity that is still UV? Yeah. I mean, it's got to be huge. They'll sit there and you can watch them until it gets to a level intensity where they go, I'm off. Yeah. But they've already had maybe an hour and a half, two hours of exposure, just as they would in the wild. Right. Yeah, it's the so more true. You into it, the more mind-blowing it all becomes. We've never really been able to give the crepuscular species access to uv in a lot of ways like you're saying you know we do have the uv lights running a lot of us are still providing it but it's hard to get it to them because like you're saying they just it's too bright and to have that dust on is huge it's a predator avoidance thing i'm sure of it Mm -hmm. i don't i don't necessarily think they're light averse i think there's a bit of that light sensitivity a little bit but i think they perceive quantity of light with risk of predation yeah that's my personal view so as soon as they perceive that risk to be untenable, they go. Well, think about humans who are a diurnal species in darkness. If you walk through a dark forest, what's the first thing you're thinking? Like, I'm going to get eaten by a bear. <laughs> you know, yes, like, exactly. you know, we don't operate well in dark because our eyes don't function very well. And yeah, it's immediately a predatory response. Yeah, that, that's what I think. But I know 
you know, I've I've had Illuminize running on a on my very old Leopard Gecko here for just about two years. And his basking behavior is completely different to it as it was with fixed voltage. That's amazing. Completely different. Oh, that's that. Yeah, it, it like you said, it, it will revolutionize things. And I can't wait to see how the product just continues to develop or just the Luminize line continues to develop. I, I know that uh, I think m- many people will be aware, but maybe not. As far as people in North America, your products are becoming much more accessible. So maybe we could even talk about where some of these things can be purchased uh, in, in North America. I mean, or, or just across the world in general, but. Yeah, so it's our this this will be the the launch of Luminize is a, a new evolution in many ways for us. This this will be the first global launch that we've had. So in many countries around the world, you should have access to it in store or online now. Um, Germany, France, North America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Hong Kong. Um, the UK, obviously, and well, pretty much the whole of the EU, there will either be access now or within the next couple of days. It's been a logistical uh, game of chess that we've had to play, but it looks like we've done it. So you should have very good access. In North America and Canada, obviously, the agent for Canada is uh, Reptiles R Us. And in, in North America, Reptile Basics, Light Your Reptiles, Pet Smart. And all of the stores that the wholesalers supply, all of our fantastic partners, supportive partners, you should have really good access to the product um, now, really. So it should be simple. It it, uh, it should be simple. Yeah. And you'll notice that the price difference between fixed voltage product and luminized product is not too much of a shock. Okay, that's, I was wondering well, we, about that. If we did this in the marine market, I mean, you know how I mean those marine keepers would pay a thousand dollars for their lighting. Oh yeah, but but this should be affordable for everybody. Yeah, yeah. That there is a price difference. There's a lot more to it, but we're not going from seventy dollars to three hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah. That's you great. know, it, it's going to be nothing like that. You'll be pleasantly surprised. That, that's the funny thing with reptile keepers. It's you know you have to be very careful with the pricing because, like you said, a, a, a marine person wouldn't bat an eye at going to spend two thousand dollars on a setup. But with reptile folks, it can be a little bit different. I think we're actually getting better. People are putting a lot more money into just the care of their animals. So now it just people expect to spend a couple of hundred dollars on lighting, which is awesome. So it, uh, but like you said, you know you can't spend a thousand. You're not going to sell a thousand dollar light bulb in the reptile community. No. No, and and you know what? I want it to be accessible for as many people as possible. Absolutely. And I've listened. I've listened to feedback over the last five years or so. You know, people have been asking me for a black extrusion for a long time. So that was part of the reason that that we're having this in black, because we listened. Mm-hmm. Right from the very first day we released Fixed Voltage Jungle Dawn, the very first bit of feedback that came in was, I need a four-foot one. 1.2 meter. Why haven't you got one of them? Well, they were hellishly expensive and very, very heavy. Well, no, you, you can. There is now in the range of a four foot, 1.2 meter, 80 watt LED bar. Oh wow! Yeah, it's you, you can pretty much light up the moon with it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that must be insanely bright. Well, that, that's incredible. I did not know that. 
Yeah, so so there's an, a new size LED, and the rest of the sizes are um, complete as they always were. Amazing. Is there anything else about Luminize products that you wanted to mention before we? I, I have a couple other questions for you, but I, I want to make sure that we touch everything on there. I think that we probably did, but if there's anything that's sticking out, please. No, I mean, it, it, hopefully, I've explained it well. It's control. You're going to have control in the palm of your hand, up to 50 devices, each with their own settings. If you want that, you've got accurate control of your intensity and day lengths. We're going to give you all of the hints and tips that you need through the website and the videography. They're IP65 water resistant, brand new uh, locking, easy lamp change, lamp holder mechanism. They look great. They function well. It's Bluetooth, so it's secure. It has an internal integrated memory that's battery backed up. And yes, you could change that battery as well. There's guidance of how to do that. Mm. I think they last five years or something. Um, and they still support linking where linking is allowed. There, there's new cables. I think the final point I'll make on that, just for the point of honesty, we had to create two new different types of cable power ingress to hit the IP65 standard. That then meant that we were away from standard issue figure eight lamp power ingress. And the so the LED version has a three pin cylindrical power plug that has a, a, a rotating ring that locks onto the unit and the t5 has a push-in compression fit ip65 power ingress those power cables and link cables are particularly in the t5 one roughly 26 percent sorry 26 times higher cost than the standard issue one wow that's incredible. We've we've had to tool up. It's production. It's new patents. It's they are expensive and they're expensive to make and they're fiddly to make. So, whereas in Pro T five and Jungle Dawn LED bar in fixed voltage, we give you a link cable for free in the box. Sadly, many of those are wasted. If oh, yeah. I had known what the environmental cost was that when I decided to do it, I never would have done it because there's now a lot of copper and plastic just sitting in drawers all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not going to be providing a free link cable in Luminize enabled product. Link cables are available for a reasonable cost, but keeping them out of the box, in cold hard terms, in keeping them out of the box, it reduces your cost price of a kit, which is what you want to buy, by about $12. Okay. So, you know, what do we, when we know a fair few people don't ever use linking, but some do, would you prefer to have a link cable that you're never ever going to use, but you've had to pay $12 for it? Or would you like a cheaper buy in price? That was a decision I had to make. So there's no free link cable with Luminize enabled product, but they all do support linking. Yeah. And you can buy the link cable, it's just a separate yeah. SKU. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three different cables. T5 to T5, LED to LED, and LED to T5, depending on, because there's two different plugs, we have to have three options. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, that was one of the, that's one of the prices you pay for going to the waterproofing, which is probably more important than 
the fact that, you know, that the, the link is more expensive. We want to make sure these yeah. products can get wet. Yeah. I mean, the level of safety testing we've gone into this, we've had, we've had the, all of the global standards tested, registered. So CE, UKCA, ETL, Prop 65, IEC, SAA, if every standard that you can think of has been tested, passed, and is printed on the product, uh, we've gone above and beyond. Yeah, so it's the same Arcadia, like trustworthy, integral products, but with a brand new line of technology that uh, you know I think everybody's going to easily get behind. And as far as what you're up to personally, I know people love your books. You've written four books now, and. I know that there was another one in the works. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that before I let you go. Yes. So two, three podcasts ago, we had a conversation and I immediately started to write book five, which is Earth. And that was still in the pandemic. And uh, I picked it up and put it down over the normal course of writing a book, which is no fun, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And I, last year, so 2022, so between 2020 and 2022, I hit a catastrophic period of writer's block, which led into a short period of burnout. Um, with Luminize going on and the tortoise food and everything. I, I, it turned out I was working on 52 projects all at once, <laughs> which is too much for it, anybody. Yeah. And so I was working hard. I was being supported. Don't get me wrong. This is my purely my choice. I choose how much I work. Um, and I and I hit this substantial writer's block. I could not write. And I, you know, at one point I was writing for 12 magazines a month plus the books. Oh my God. And uh so writing new content has always been a love of mine. And I could not. I was I was basically writing one column a month for that whole period. I couldn't write, I couldn't write, and it was soul destroying. I was still having the ideas, but I couldn't get them out of my hands. So I ended up seeking the advice of a professional who literally put me back together in a single session. And uh, I can't stress how important it is if you are struggling, whether it's in your work or your home or something that you know that you should be doing but find that you can't, to seek advice mm. and get some help because it can be just a single session for some people and it works and I'm writing again. It's still going to be a little time before we see a completed manuscript, but I've written a fair bit. And actually what that book, when I when I started drafting it out, I wanted to look at soil cultures over the world. And in my particular neurodiverse brain, I thought everybody would be interested in mud and a book on that. And actually I'm completely wrong. And what's evolved in front of me is a book that is about the natural balance of the earth and how that catastrophically impacts life if it's not provided and how it beautifully provides for life mm. when it is provided correctly. 
So I will cover things like soil structure and how that differs around the world within it. But actually, the book is mostly about the importance of balance within biological cycles. Mm. Yeah, that, that'll be fascinating. A, a much needed book for right now, I think, right? Because we, we had talked about this a couple of times ago, too. And I know you had made a comment on a podcast that I recently had done as well. It's just the uh, there's the concept of recreating the wild and bioactivity and naturalistic keeping. And the, a lot of these things are getting jammed in together. And we see a lot of people who maybe think that they're keeping in a bioactive way, but probably aren't and, and vice versa. It's a whole kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of, I think what I'm trying to say is we, there's some guidance needed essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And I, it kind of makes me cross sometimes when I see people come up with these, sometimes troll-like comments of, well, I might as well just stick an eagle in the cage if it's going to be wild and give them a bit of fear because that's quite wild. Mm. Well, the whole aspect of wild recreation is to allow an animal to experience the balance of wild without the detriment of avoidable disease and harm. We're trying to create a utopia. And I don't see a difference between I don't actually see a positive outworking for negative stresses. Mm-hmm. I see a positive outworking for getting an animal moving and darting about and running around and getting excited. I see a massive benefit for seasonality and circadian rhythm, but I don't I can't see a benefit to instill fear or disease into an animal and call that wildlike. Yeah. Because we're caregivers, we're trying to create a utopia. And and that's what I'm trying to explain in this book about this balance of getting all of the cycles right and how every single cycle is interwoven with every other. So you can't you can't medicate the eyes, for example, without it also impacting the heart if it's oral or intramuscular or something. Yeah. It, these drugs or processes, foods, nutrients, minerals, they go everywhere. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm trying to explain. I sat down and I tried to draw. This is how strange I am. <laughs> I tried to draw a spider chart of what life actually was, what actually kept a heart pumping and an animal alive all by itself and all the different processes that worked for it and against it. And I ended up with a chart that can never be finished, but is so vast that it's ununderstandable because everything, and the thing it taught me was that everything positive and negative in some way looped into each other. Yeah. And so this spider chart of which was legs and boxes just turned into almost a sphere. Yeah. Yeah. It was, everything was built in together. And it was at that moment that I thought, I need to stop this ludicrous thing that's just taken all of my time <laughs> and take the learning from it, which is I cannot impact one thing without also impacting everything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny it's how th- there's a, a logical side of the human brain that thinks, oh, I could I could definitely outline this or define what's going on here. But it is just so complicated and so interwoven that the more you pull at it, the deeper it gets. It's like when they keep splitting, like opening up atoms and they're like, oh, we found more stuff in here. And then we don't need those corks and things. And then they try to do it again. There's like, well, it, it just becomes this like never ending game of, of complicated stuff. And 
yeah. I guess at the end of the day, like you said, it's it, everything plays on each other. And that's the important message. I put in the book that as humans, we are hell bent on pigeonholing everything. Yes. We like to label and pigeonhole everything. But out of all of the sciences, biology is the only one of the three main sciences that can never be pigeonholed because it's constantly shifting. Mm-hmm. It adheres to the laws of nature, but it's constantly shifting and adapting. Yeah. And so think- it, you can't ever. That was so my idea of trying to write life up. Oh my <laughs> God, look at this. I've written what life is. I've found it. Just ends up looking like the Matrix. It's it's like, oh, well, what's this all about? Yeah, yeah. Because you can't fathom it. It's too vast. Right. Even, even the intricate nature of a blade of grass and how that photosynthesizes and provides for the globe in its own small way. If we, if you sit back and try and think about the photosynthetic process and the cellular structure of grass and how you would make that as a human, it will blow your mind. Oh yeah. You, you can't, it's, you can't, you can't, you can't get there. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's the, the sort of the remarkable aspect of nature. Like you see the, the, the people trying to invent different ways to sequester carbon and right, like with, you know, trying to reduce carbon output and whatnot. And, you know, you, you have these trees and gra- grass that does it just perfectly all the time. You know, it's yeah. the, the, what nature has the ability to do is just incredible. And I, I guess when we're keeping animals and I think that's probably the, where people will start to kind of criticize wild replication, right? Because they think, oh, you're trying to take that giant matrix web and put it into an enclosure. But really, we know that's not a practical, you can't do that. It's, it's obviously impossible. Mm-hmm. And so we have to sort of pull, or maybe this is a good question for you, it's just pulling some of those important aspects into the enclosure, or, or how, how do you see that? It's about providing the things that we know are core to life mm-hmm. as naturally as possible. So light in its as in our spectrum as close to the sun as possible water food space enrichment yeah. and you know when i say food i don't just mean food i mean actually thinking about what we're feeding these animals and how they feed and move in the wild for every positive step that we make in looking at the locomotion of an animal and how it eats and drinks and moves in the wild the closer we get to that the more naturally it can live when we pop that equation into more accurate energy from light and ever more accurate diets, we start to see animals that are living a utopic life. Yeah. So, so for me, when I came up with that word wild recreation, it was never about trying to take every single part of a ecosystem and shove it in a box it was never about that it was about taking our lessons from nature so that we can provide balance because i knew it was balance that was all important yes yeah there, there's some what's the word like obvious is probably not the right, right word but there you know it, in some ways it is obvious that we're not attempting to drive this giant complicated ball of stuff and shove it into an enclosure so there's a little bit of discretion that i think people should should probably have when they're approaching this project like you said you know you want to pull out those key elements and as we learn more we might find new elements that are easily to incorporate into an enclosure that we find that are important like like you know you mentioned stress i think 
that's the issue with st- using the word stress is it is quite uh, a catch-all term or an umbrella term, right? So there is some good stress, like you said, you know, having the animal move around or dig or swim or, you know, do something to achieve a meal is a great stress, yeah. but to make it fear for its life is probably not necessarily, when you start activating right. that flight system or fight system, it's, 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 that's not what we want. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't agree with that at all. We, we should be, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, we should be encouraging movement and naturalistic movement in type, in terms of the, the decoration that we use to allow that animal to move naturally, mm-hmm. find shade, enrichment, dig, hunt, uncover, what, whatever. But I can't see any positives in, in including fear. Yeah. You know, they're fearful enough every time we feed them. Yeah. It's a big ape standing right there. Every time our toddlers throw a ball at a cage. <laughs> yeah, or hammer on the glass. You know, they, <laughs> so so this whole concept of, of, well, it's not wildlife if you don't install problematic fears, you might as well let smallpox out and say it's good for us because we need a bit of fear. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous notion. Yeah. Yeah. Your body does not function well in that state and neither does theirs. No, absolutely. Well, John, as always, this was uh, an amazing conversation. We've already been chatting for 90 minutes. Uh, I am so excited about the launch of this product. I, I just can't wait for it to hit the market and to see keepers using it. I just, I can visualize that in a week or so from the time people are listening to this we're going to see images of, you know, dimmed enclosures and dusk and dawn and, and, you know, all sorts of new behaviors coming from animals as well, which is probably kind of weird for you to think about the impact of animal, like the the impact you have and Arcadia has on just welfare of the animals that are currently in captivity, right? It's like suddenly you come up with a product and you know that probably thousands of animals are immediately going to be leveled up in their just ability to live uh, in a higher welfare state that's a really interesting thing and point and something that i will be very honest about you can't ever let your i can never let my brain and i certainly tell my staff you can't let your head go there Mm, you can enjoy the moment you can enjoy the benefits that you've known that you've had a small part in but you need to get onto the next one as quickly as possible so there's there can't ever be room for selfish pride mm. because no, it doesn't matter how perfect I think this is. I'll better it. So I will, I'm already working. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, that's that's know, a great point. T- today is a jubilant day. The whole world have seen this thing I've been working on for 10 years in bits and pieces and five years in earnest, something that's brand new and will increase animal welfare and lower your energy costs. But I'm already working on the next lot. Yeah. So we well, put our bag down and we pick up another one and we carry on. Yeah. Well, I think that's the way to go. And I think that's why Arcadia is, is as successful as it is. You know, people like yourself that are just continuing to push things forward. And, and really, like you said, the project the project will never be done. So, you know, just keep no. keep moving forward. Uh, I think everybody knows where to go. But if they're looking for more information on Arcadia, just in, in general, can you give everybody just some of the social media handles and, and website? Yeah, so just search Arcadia Reptile on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest. We've got a really nice Pinterest page. It's very popular. And ArcadiaReptile.com. And now from today, ArcadiaLuminize.com, which is a whole new experience. 
Awesome. Well, I am excited to dig through that myself. And uh, like I said, I've already been using the product for uh, a couple of months now, and it's been amazing. And I can't wait to see more folks using it as well. So as always, John, it's an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And who knows what number six will be about, but I guess we'll find out in about a year's time. Hey, Dylan, I, I can't thank you enough for agreeing to be one of the live testers. You know, we can't have every reptile keeper in the world testing new product, but having people in different nations around the world that we can share our ideas with and give you product to hold and use and give us your feedback is so valuable. So I just want to say thanks for for doing that. It's been a couple of months and mm-hmm. from what you've said, you really appreciated it. So oh, thanks. yeah. It was my pleasure. Yeah. I was really honored to to be selected as one of the testers. And uh, yeah, when, when, I forget when we started talking about this, but it, uh, yeah, I was very excited to receive the package. And then when it, when it did come in, I was just, yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. So I was happy to be able to do that and have you on the podcast to tell everybody about it. And yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. So thank you so much for, for everything. No problem. It's great to see you, buddy. Absolutely. All right, that is the end of that episode. John, thank you so much for joining me again. I you know people, as I said, always look forward to us having this conversation at some point in the summer and the fall. So this one clearly was no exception. I am so excited by the Luminize products. And I really, again, thank you so much for trusting me to have you on the show to talk about it and also letting me test the products beforehand. So I cannot wait to see other people starting to simulate that dusk dawn scenario. I think, as I said in the podcast, it adds such a theatrical element to keeping from an anthropomorphic side, which I think is so cool, but also, as we discussed in the episode, the welfare increase of having that day cycle simulated accurately, I think is going to be pretty game-changing. So thank you so much for jumping on the podcast and sharing that with everybody. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure you share it far and wide on social media. I always try to reshare things when I see them, uh, that it's a huge help. Comment on the episode on either Spotify or YouTube. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions about the product, you can put them there. John is usually really good about coming back to the YouTube comments and answering any questions. I can't respond to questions or or, or comments on Spotify. That's just a one-way communication. So if you want to comment on Spotify, do that. But if you have a specific question about the product or about Arcadia in general, you should do that on YouTube so John can actually answer as well. And if you're looking for more information on the podcast, you can do that at animalsathomenetwork.com. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash animalsathome or check out our sponsor, Custom Reptile Habitats. You can find links in the description of on YouTube or the show notes. That is an affiliate link. So if you do make a purchase, a commission comes back to me at no extra cost to you. So if you are looking for a new enclosure or something reptile related go check out their store see what they have if you do don't purchase something that you don't need just to support the show if you do need something and if you're in the need uh, for a new enclosure or a new piece of equipment and you want to use the affiliate link so you know you're supporting the podcast i would greatly appreciate that that is the end of this episode again thank you so much john i really appreciate you and the team from arcadia helping make this episode happen as well as sending me the product to test and thank you more importantly to the listeners you guys make this episode this episode and every other episode happen so thank you so much i will catch you guys next week